Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash complete developer podcast. Well, guys, we made it through another year, and this is the last episode of 2018. As has become our tradition for our last episode, we'll be reviewing our predictions for this year and discussing ones that we got right and the ones that we got wrong and a couple that we came pretty close on. Then we'll each give predictions for next year. But before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week? Well, um, I had a situation where at work where I went into a meeting expecting a long, drawn-out argument. Like, I drank two cups of coffee, and then I brought a third one in there with me. Mm-hmm. I've been to meetings like that. Yeah, where I was like, okay, you know, I'm ready to go. You know, I got my coworkers around me, and everybody agreed with me. <laughs> and it was really strange, because I got to lunch after that, and I was like, man... um, I thought I was going to have to really argue all this stuff. And they're just like agreeing and going, oh, what about this? Yeah, we could do this this way. And it's like, it just, it really threw me. Um, that was, that was a really strange thing this week. I, I wasn't really sure what to do with that. So we've been doing some training. We have a consultant that came in and he, he stated a couple of things and, uh, about, you know, bringing new technology in. And, uh, uh one of the other senior developers was like, oh, yeah, BJ does that kind of stuff. And so he looks at me, he's like, all right, BJ. So when you bring something new in, do you train all the other people and all the other API developers like, yeah, he does. Yep. I'm like, yeah, I, I like to share. Well, the thing is you bring something new in. If you don't train the other people, you can't bring the next new thing in either. Exactly. But yeah, this was one of those things where I thought there was more resistant, more resistance to a set of ideas that I had mm-hmm. that we had to deal with than was actually there. Like, I think we probably could have had this discussion a year ago and I was there going, man, Sounds like everybody, yeah, everybody was on the was, same page. Yeah, they were the same totally thing. on the same page. And That's I was so awesome. I mean, I was, I was like all ramped up. I was like, okay, this is going to be a slugging match and a half. I told one of the other developers that I was like, this is going to be a long meeting. He goes, oh yeah, no, it's going to be rough. And then we get in there and then we go to lunch afterwards. It's like, huh? It's like, do you feel a little weird about that? <laughs> like, you know, what do you do with that? So, uh, it was, it was really good. It was just a lot of, um, architecture stuff and you know improving scalability security that kind of mm-hmm. stuff so that was that was weird and it was it was just really eye-opening to me how i was preparing myself for having the slugging match on that when i really didn't i didn't have any real proof that that was going to happen mm-hmm. i just assumed so we have a um a junior developer where i work that is um he has a degree in computer science but he's like me and just yeah. very opinionated, very strong. Well, and there've been a couple of times where I've gone in to present something new or be like, do a training that I'm like, all right, I, I prepared, I spent hours preparing for him disagreeing with me. And I get in there and he just was like, dude, this is an awesome idea. This is great. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. You're the contrarian. What, what, what happened here? You're, you're agreeing with me that. You know, and yeah, so and, and the thing is, is, you all, yeah, and you're about halfway looking forward to it too, right? Yeah, exactly, because um, you've spent so much time preparing for, yeah, it. 
And so it was just really, it was really strange. I just didn't, you know, I wasn't, I was not ready for that. So that yeah. was, that was pretty cool. Um, the other thing is I have my new hard drives and my 1070 Ti. I have not installed it yet because of uh, Windows and Seagate and. And some of it literally just got here minutes ago. Uh, yeah. Like, I don't know, eight minutes. <laughs> Maybe 10. So yeah, um, I'm looking forward to that. So how about you? Well, I am moving into my new place this weekend. You'll be there. I have a really good group of people helping me out. Some co-workers, some friends, some church people. It's going to be a really good group, though I'll be honest with you, it has been a bit stressful just getting everything ready to move. Yeah. Like last time I moved, it was more of a, I have to move. So yeah, moving like, right now. The, the last two times I've moved have not been planned out it's been all right i've got two or three weeks to be somewhere else yeah Yeah. um this one i've had a couple of months to to plan and to pack and to get everything ready it's gonna be a lot nicer than the last time you helped me move yeah and Um, it also will be during the winter which is nice (laughs) because all of your furniture is oak yes um um, on of course by the time this airs um i've been living there for about a month it has been a stressful week though i sat down at my desk to start work on monday only to find out that I had to go into the office. Apparently, a message was sent out after hours the week before, and I didn't see it because, you know, I turn off notifications. I don't check my email when I'm off work. Like, that is my time. One thing I learned about working from home yes, is I have to be do very that. strict about that. When I was going into the office every day, oh, you you know, I, I would check it occasionally and stuff just to make sure if, like, oh, I need to be prepared for this or that. No. My time is my time. But uh, thankfully, I wasn't needed until the afternoon. Then uh, another thing that happened, I went to transfer my Comcast, only to find out that they had lied to me about having service near my new place. I think I talked about this last week. Uh, then I found out that Spectrum is out there. I either talked about it last week or I talked about it in the um, Facebook Live. The Facebook Live. That's why you remembered that when I, when you said Spectrum because I made the joke about Spectrum being for you know, tick spray. Yeah, and it gets rid of the other blood sucking parasites <laughs> other than Comcast. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, anyways, it's really nice because I'll be getting better service for less money out there. Um, and that was just Monday. All week long has been like that. Uh, in better news, though, I'm really excited to see my family for the holidays this year. And uh, speaking of family, I've got something fun that you can do with the family for IOTs. So with the new year coming up, this is a great project for your family to do before New Year's Eve. It's a light-up ball made from LEDs and plastic cups. It uses six satellite modules. These are high-power RBG LED arrays. Uh, six shift bars, or three-channel LED controllers. A Seedwino, a variant of the Arduino. And a shift bright shield for it. It's kind of a fun project that you can do with your family in preparation for the new year. Uh, I found this on two or three different websites, and I kind of tracked it back to the original flicker of the photos and kind of how to build it. Like, there's a how-to video with photos. So, I'll have that link in the show notes for you guys to enjoy. Who's talking to us this week? Well, we got a tweet from John B., uh, it says at complete dev pod, can you please make a book of all of Will's idioms? 
a light horse is faster, half a horse is dead. There are a handful of other ones I could have written down if I wasn't driving. Hashtag take my money. So I guess I can address this. I don't have a list. <laughs> um, in fact, I don't really remember saying that, although I probably did. Um, most of them, like they come out and I'm as surprised as you are. I, I sometimes post them on Twitter as teasers for the episodes. Yeah. Because you... you the thing is, you and I both do this. I don't do it as much on microphone. It's yeah. more of an in-person thing. Yeah. Uh, so, if you've ever heard me speak, you will have heard these. But, John, um, as I've learned the past few weeks, uh, spotted horses are faster than solid-colored horses. Well, at least in Zelda Breath of the Wild, they are. If you listened to last week, you'll know that I, I got that game and a Nintendo Switch. Uh, uh, will loved this request. So much so that he sent me a message asking that I put it into an episode yeah. as the comment. So yeah, well, I had to address that because, like, <laughs> I mean, people people will go, "Oh man, I, you know, how do you come up with all this stuff?" And I'm like, I have no idea. It just sort of it kind of comes out, and there we are. You come up with this stuff by living out in the country and getting hit in the head a lot. I know you're going to say that, and, and not having a filter. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Yeah, the thing is. Will and I are both very filtered on this show. Yeah, it's because, a lot worse in person. Yeah, it really is. But um, we, we don't have a written version, though um, we might be able to get them all on an audio. So I'm I'm still working on our first bloopers reel. But at some point, I'm going to put together a rants and raves. I may add to the backlog a, um, what was it that uh, that Sarah Sexton called it? Southernisms? Yeah, because I talked about somebody not being able to pour pee out of a boot with instructions on the heel. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't really think anything of it. I just kind of thought, well, it's one way to say they're real dumb. (laughs) You know, but exactly. Yeah, Yeah, I should put that on Twitter. (laughs) So, John, send us a DM with your contact information because we've got a complete developer water bottle just for you. And guys, if you'd like your very own complete developer water bottle, leave us a review in iTunes or comment on the website or any of our social media. We would love to hear your versions of what you think Will-isms could be. Uh, we post all of our episodes to Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Google+. We're also on Instagram and Tumblr. Now, you can check us out each week on Facebook and Twitter Live, where we talk about what's going on in the tech world and have no filter to uh, prevent Will from saying things. Yeah. Oops. Or join the conversation anytime via Slack by going to slack.completedevelopernetwork.com and get Willisms on a regular basis. <laughs> so, as long as you didn't say Willisms make you regular. That's, <laughs> I appreciate you. This episode has sort of become a tradition. Um, this is the fourth time we've done it. Yeah, it's our third year of a full year. Yeah. So, we we started in the fall of 2015. So, this is the fourth version of this episode. Last year, I made four predictions about 2018, while Will cheated a little bit and had a fifth that he didn't tell me about until we started recording. You know, it's pretty common for me to not tell you when I have a fifth. (laughs) Not since college, at least. See what I did there? (laughs) Yeah, I follow you. So we'll start by discussing our hit and miss rate and then get into predictions for the year in tech in 2018. And we're going to alternate this. So Oh, I'll we go- are? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's what we've done in the past. I know. I'm just not very smart. I know that. <laughs> 
So I'm going to start. Um, my first prediction last year was an increase in IoT wearables being taken off the market. We had the initial like this is really cool aspect of them. But now we're seeing some of the bigger issues, especially with security. And I predicted that there would be a turndown in the growth in the market, at least until consumers can trust the products. So on this, I'm calling it a hit. I would agree with that. Yeah. Pravada Health recalled 30,000 fitness tracking wearables due to burn risk. Intel shut down their team working on wearables, specifically fitness trackers. And there was one also where they were um, they were showing where DOD hidden bases and stuff were because yeah. people were running with them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's basically everybody's starting to realize now that the S in IoT stands for security <laughs> and all the implications thereof. Speaking of which, in better news, security has increased around IoT. Devices are being built with security in mind. Also, places cannot assume security on the device. So, like in bring your own device situations. And so they're building security to assume that insecure devices will be on their networks. Yeah. And that's completely reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, back in the day, we could do the firewall and think that everything was safe inside the network. And that hasn't really been a reality since marketing people got laptops. Right. Or since people got thumb drives or floppies, for yeah, that it's, matter. It's um, not really been a thing for a long time. It's not really ever been a thing. But it's becoming bigger issue as more consumers are using them without without needing to think about security. Right. Because they're not the ones suffering from it. Whereas with like thumb drives and things, they were the, the consumer was suffering. Yeah, it was hitting their machine first and then spreading through the network and they got caught versus, okay, it's just sending packets out. Yeah. So my first um, prediction was increased hostility in the culture wars due to social networks increasing friction. But we'll start to see signs of the bulk of the population getting tired of it and trying to come up with better digital manners to combat it. We may experience serious violence beforehand. Um, I'd say for the result, well, what do you guys think? I think that's pretty much right on. Um, People are sick of it. We have seen some violence. Mm -hmm. Um, Not as much as it could have been, but... You know, it's still it's still bad enough. Any of it is is bad enough. Well, I mean, with the with the amount of doxing going on and just some of the stupid stuff, yeah, that's that's come out and people misunderstanding things and attacking people because they think they're doing one thing when in reality they're doing another. Yeah, and um, then all the trolling and everything else. I mean, it's just a it's a witch's brew of of problems. Uh, the the problem that I see with it is people are taking the trolling as like legit serious. I think that's a an issue that is just a it's a generational thing. It's like our generation and the one before us, we joked about these things so much so that the next generation is coming along and they're like, "Oh, this is a real thing." And it's like, "No, it, no, isn't. it isn't." We this is yeah. what we joked about. This was like the extreme. We said, "Oh, hey, don't." get there and you assume that everything is there well and the other thing too is people take the uh the trolling literally and you know from the other side and run with it and they make it real yeah um so yeah I, i'd say that was a complete hit so it was also kind of a gimme it, it, yeah it was so my second prediction was that there would be an increase in the tech hubs in the south or southeastern united states um we've seen austin texas nashville tennessee 
Atlanta, Georgia, Asheville, Charlotte, North Carolina. And I predicted there would be either more hubs pop up or the current ones grow as many companies move there. And like the startup culture grows in those areas. I'm calling this a dead on hit. Yeah. Looking at housing prices in Nashville, that's one and done. Speaking of Nashville, we're getting an Amazon operations center here. We were in the running for a headquarters, but they decided to go elsewhere. But um, it's scheduled to be built in the location of the Lifeway building. If you guys follow me on social media, you saw the uh, destruction of that building. I actually got up early on a Saturday to drive downtown. I think it was like early this year because it was cold out. Yeah. And stood with a bunch of random strangers to watch a building be imploded. Because you see it on movies, but how many people have seen it in real life? Yeah. That was actually really cool. Um, I will say this about Nashville. I'm a bit disappointed because the skyline is changing. Yeah. So many big buildings are being built. And I'm like, it doesn't look like Nashville. Yeah, it just looks like everywhere else. And I think that's what some of these southern cities are kind of all experiencing. Yeah. But yeah, that was that prediction was a hit. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. On the same lines, Raleigh was listed in an article about the top four tech hubs to keep an eye on. Lots of startups and tech companies are being priced out of Silicon Valley and moving to places with lower housing costs. Yeah, like like basically, if you're not from the United Arab Emirates and a prince, you can't afford to live in Silicon Valley right now. Yeah. It's, yeah, the, the money situation there is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, this is good for us. The problem is, what you stated, it's driving up prices in other places. Yeah, the value of my house has... Yeah, according to Zillow, gone up um, by twenty to twenty five percent in four years, mm-hmm. and the house is not that much better. The apartment I lived in when before I went away to med school, when I came back four years later, was three times the price. Yep, I'm like I bought a place so far out of town; it's like an hour and a half away. Benefit of working remote is I only have to come in one day a week, but like that's the only way I could find any place. Yeah, we wouldn't. I mean, I wanted to go and and get another house and get a, you know a little bit more space, and that's not going to happen anytime soon. No. So my second prediction was along these same lines: popping of one or more of the U.S. economic bubbles, maybe a series of them. Uh, the core problems in our economy are not fixed. The numbers say this will happen, but they don't say when. I would say this is a slight miss. Um, there were some sharp downturns in tech. There's signs of the housing market slowing. In a few places, uh, some of the same places that were the start of the last bubble pop, but you know it hasn't really spectacularly blown up. Not not a huge pop, but I do have some friends that are trying to sell their house that are going. Yeah, you know, we're thinking about taking it off the market because the market has gone down. Yeah, it's gotten a little. It's it's softer. Yeah. Um, now, had I predicted Bitcoin as the bubble that popped, that would be a glorious victory. But yeah, yeah. But that was sort of a gimme. <laughs> we knew, the thing is, one of us, I don't remember which one, predicted it popping last year. Yeah, and it didn't. Yeah, it, it was a year later. But we saw we saw the signs. And it opened up our eyes. Yeah. I've got that song in my head. Thanks. Hey, you're the one that said it opened up our eyes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, the the third prediction I made last year was that we would see a rise in VR arcade gaming as virtual reality hits the market too high for the average consumer. Uh, It'll probably start off in larger places like Dave and Buster's, 
but then we'll see small places like, you know, with mini golf or laser tag. I'm calling this a hit. You know, guys, just like any fledgling industry, there is a struggle to get up and running and it's, it's in its fledgling phase now. Yeah. The VR arcades. However, nearly two thirds of virtual reality arcades are at break even or better. So it's coming big time. Yeah. Uh, in addition, there's an upswing in classic arcades that are serving alcohol. Yeah. So we have one here in Nashville called Headquarters Beercade, and it's kind of a premium. You pay a little extra. It's downtown, and ugh, I hate going. You pay downtown. a lot extra then. But I went to a friend of ours' birthday party there. Shout out to Josh. Um, and uh, then when I was down at Dev Space, you didn't go this year, but the speaker dinner instead of having it at a fancy restaurant, we had it at an arcade that served food and beer. That's better. It was so much fun. And I was talking to Chris, the organizer, and he was like, yeah, he spent half the money. Like, he's like, we didn't come close to maxing out our limit um, because it was open bar. If you remember last year, it was at a fancy restaurant, but you had to pay for your alcohol. Yep. You'd have to pay for alcohol. It was, and he didn't even max out his limit. He was like, yeah, we, we did not hit the max on it. It was nice. I think that's a better model for our crowd, too. Especially the the group of speakers there. Everybody had a blast. Like, we got there, we talked and drank, and then we ate, and then we went and played games. And drank. And drank, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We had a really good time. Of course, I didn't get to drink too much because I had to speak early the morning the first day. (laughs) Yeah. I I would imagine speaking like that with a hangover is probably not optimal. It is not. I can tell you from experience. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I had a good time. So my third prediction was that Silicon Valley would lose some of its control of the narrative in the tech industry. Silly Valley has a great location, lots of capital, lots of workers of high skill. However, it also has high taxes, really bad inequality, insane housing prices, bad traffic, those kinds of things. Eventually, these costs will exceed the cost to move elsewhere. In addition, there's a lot of groupthink going on in the Valley, which may stifle the innovation it depends on. Um, I'd say this one was on point. Uh, the attitude of the plutocrats in Silicon Valley is pretty clear and in, in the open, um, with like Zuckerberg skipping, you know, going in front of parliament. Like, oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, you want to operate in their country or, or not? That's, that's cool. Whatever, man. Um, so there was all that, but there's also the thing that the, like the VC type narrative like the way the fundraising goes Mm -hmm. um you're starting to see a lot of players now jump in and go okay we want to kind of we want to fund small companies but not do it in the venture capital explosive growth phase they want to go build a sustainable business and so you're starting to see that model kind of come out a little bit more and this goes right along with my prediction about more about more tech hubs and more tech moving to areas outside of silicon valley specifically the southeast United States and yeah, because yeah. the weather's decent uh, some of the time. Yeah, the the yeah. cost is less. These places want you to move here. They're gonna governments are going to give you incentives to bring jobs here. Yeah, and you know the other thing too is like taking some of the pressure off of Silicon Valley is probably a good thing because they're that bunch is still a bunch of innovators, but now they're having to compete in an environment that's overcrowded mm-hmm. versus being able to innovate in an environment that is suitable. So um, this, this is a win for everybody. It really is. I mean, it's not a slight on Silicon Valley. It's a, Hey, we need to expand because putting, putting all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what happens, you know, let's say that, 
you know, it worked Kim Jong Un to get mad. I was more and thinking drop a like nuke or an earthquake. Yeah, I was thinking the San Andreas. Yeah, you, know, you get an earthquake and it destroys a bunch of stuff out there. Yeah, and hopefully it doesn't shake California loose enough to go into another time zone because that will be some ugly programming. <laughs> Fix that. Well, be in Hawaii's time zone, wouldn't it? Depends on how far out it goes. That's very true. That's very true. Yeah. So my fourth prediction was that uh, Will and I would be published authors by the end of the year. Yeah, and the thing is, is we kind of both already were. Yeah, that's that's very true. You oh. you pointed that out, um, and I said also if even if we had to self-publish, we'll have it under our belts as publishing something together. I'm calling this a hit ish. Because we're already there, you published a book. We kind of changed our focus yeah. mid-year. Um, we completed recording the book. Um, we need to edit and write the text from the outlines. Will, however, published the written version of his book on whiteboarding. Um, I'm not sure if there's going to be an audio version. Uh, maybe. Uh, if I get you set up with it, I think you can record it on your own and then I'll do the editing for you. Yeah, I mean, we can figure something out. You got to give me a shout out. That's my, my, yeah. Either pay me or give me a shout out. That's my cost. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out is probably how that works. (laughs) Um, And then, like I said, before we were already both published authors, it was just together. So this wasn't a miss, but it wasn't a hit. One of the things that, that happened this year that was unexpected is I got into grad school. And my grandmother passed and, you know, a friend of ours passed in the spring, which kind of hit me a lot harder than I was oh, expecting. Yeah. And, you know, so we've had a, a we've had a lot go on this year. It's been a very busy year. Yeah. And um, I was hoping for it to be like a year of kind of recovery. Yeah. And it ended up like our uh, meetup group was growing and we've been doing some changes there as well. Um, we've been doing more local speaking. I've been doing more travel speaking. Like things that I got promoted. Yeah. Like a lot of unexpected things. Some really awesome things happened. Uh, Like I didn't expect to get into school until the spring and I got in in the fall, which really threw me off because I had to learn to, all right, deal with podcast and school and work and life and moving and moving. Yeah. I was planning on having all this stuff done before I started school and then I started school. So there've been things that have prevented us, but they were awesome, really cool things. Yeah. So that's why I'm calling this a hit ish. We finished the book. We just have to get the process done. And I mean, I I don't think I put it into our predictions for next year, but I thoroughly expect this book to be out next year. Yeah. Be on the lookout. We will be advertising it. We kind of do a lot of shameless plugging. So what's your fourth one? The Indian software development market will move more of its focus off of U.S. interests and more into the interests of other Asian countries like Russia and China. The world will move away from a monopolar power structure to a multipolar power structure. That combined with some of the risks in the U.S. market means that smart Indian firms will start to hedge their bets. This will be true of other countries as well, but India is liable to be the most profound. Um, on the result on this one, I haven't seen indications of this, but I realize looking back at it, I don't have a good way to get those. I do believe that this is happening. The um, thing is, you won't you won't really see it until it's it's already been is, done for a while. This is more of a long term prediction. Like this isn't just something you see in a year. This is something that you see the results of five, ten years from now. Yeah, and I mean, you do already see. I've, I've seen news stories about Indian companies, you know, doing work for Chinese companies Mm -hmm. and Russian companies and Mm -hmm. vice versa. So, I I mean, I think that's there. I don't know if it's increased. Um, It is very rational, just given all the risks that they 
kind of they kind of fan out that and they have a rising standard of living there and eventually what happens when the number of programmers in India exceeds the number of programmers in the US by 10 to 1 there's not going to be enough jobs over here for mm-hmm. them like they're going to have to do that somewhere else so yeah it's it's a reasonable decision so will cheated a little bit last year and threw in a fifth one and I let him get away with it because I thought it was a good one and it, it made a good point and, and kind of led into his tricks of the trade as well. So I'm going to let him go ahead and do his fifth prediction. Yeah. So Kim Jong-un will still be in power in North Korea at the end of the year or someone like him. Um, the result is a little bit funny because he is still in power. But the other day I saw a picture of North and South Korean troops shaking hands across the border. So technically someone like who I thought he was may not be in power there. Mm-hmm. He may be a different player than we thought. So it's, it's interesting. We'll see how this plays out. He, he seems to be making a lot of effort to change his image. Yeah. And you know what? It, the, there's two possibilities. It could be a farce or it could be a legit, Hey, you know, I am trying to make a difference, but I'm trying to change if it's legit. I applaud him for it. Um, if it's a farce, it's clever. Yeah, exactly. So either either way, yeah. it's he's it, got a lot of believability at the moment, just with yeah. what we've seen. I mean, I mean, I've seen them like blowing up bunkers and stuff too on the on the border. Yeah, like you know, demolishing stuff. Like I think Korea, like that country, looks like it's coming back together. It'll be a while before it's reintegrated. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like East and West Germany. You remember when those came back together? It, yeah, that was not a quick transition. Yeah, it wasn't an overnight thing. Yeah. While for some individuals it might have been exciting, but it just you know, stuff like that takes a while. So now we're gonna get into our predictions for twenty nineteen next year. And we're gonna do the same thing. We're gonna alternate. Um so I will start us off with my first prediction. And it relates to my first prediction from this past year, but it's the exact opposite. And that is there will be an increase in IoT wearables. When I was doing research on the last one, I came up with this. You know, while a lot of them have been taken off the market, the desire is there. And people, consumers, have become accustomed to their wearables. The security issues are being addressed. If you guys have paid attention to my IoTs the, throughout the year, several of them have been about innovations in IoT security. Companies are rethinking the way they are building devices. And I've got to say, it is really exciting. Yeah. As someone who is like, when we started this podcast, I was all about IoT and put in a section for Internet of Things. I am so excited to see people really getting serious about, all right, we're going to make this a legit industry with security and planning. And I'm, I'm excited. I'm pumped up. I'm like, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. That's how excited I am. Nice. So my first prediction for the next year will be that there will be more hysteria from the U.S. in regards to China, Russia, possibly Saudi Arabia and Iran. We've already seen a fair bit um, in regards to Saudi Arabia because of the whole dismembering a journalist thing um, that, you know, there's the fog of war on that. There's also worsening tensions, especially with uh, Russia and Ukraine. Um, that's going to be very interesting. I think we're going to see some other countries start hitting the U.S. back, you know, mm-hmm. for some of the trade stuff that's going on there. And we're going to see problems from that uh, beyond what happened, like with steel. Mm-hmm. 
Um, now, there's also going to be tariffs starting to hit, I think, China um, at the beginning of the year, which is part of the reason I bought the hardware I did. That makes get sense. ahead of that. My second prediction is goes against a couple of predictions I've made in the past. And uh, not this past year, but the year before last, I made a prediction about PHP going away, being replaced by things like Node. This year, um, and just based on things that I've been reading and researching, I'm predicting that Node is going to start going out of style in the next year. Maybe, maybe not as much in 2019, but over the next few years. Um, you know, Ryan Dahl, the creator of Node, has stopped working on it years ago. Um, JavaScript is sort of like the low barrier to entry into web development because it can be used everywhere. It, it's not um, type strict and things like that. However, because of its versatility, that causes limits in its functionality. And I think we're going to see a lot of people who got into web development through JavaScript realize that there's a lot of things they can't do with it. Yeah, or that are harder. Um, yeah. You know, like a lot of the enterprise type stuff mm -hmm. can be a tangle. The other thing is there's more insecurity coming in through the package manager, specifically this last week, but there's going to be more of that yeah. everywhere. And, and Node's that's, that's surface the, area is huge for that. That's the other thing. Like just this past year or two, we've seen sites go down because someone took their package off NPM. We've seen multiple times of NPM packages or companies being bought by people and then malicious software being inserted into previously yep. good NPM packages. Yeah, and I think they're going to have to, uh, you know, the, the premise with NPM and Node was that you can bring somebody else's packages in quickly and you can get going. Mm -hmm. And now that's kind of shifting. It's like, well... I can't necessarily trust the package maintainers and I can't trust that they're the same people tomorrow that they were today. And so the community is going to have to figure out some stuff with that. Now, other, other platforms have got package managers. I mean, .NET's got NuGet, for instance. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of them tend to be bigger packages. You bring a DLL in with a whole bunch of functionality and it's, you know, there's a big company kind of behind it. Whereas Node is like, you know, you might bring in a function like LeftPad. That's instance. the one that. Yeah, that they took off. and. Yeah. You know, every every package has got a crap ton of its own dependencies, and they're in their own tree, isolated. Mm -hmm. And so it's going to be impossible for somebody to update and then audit and prove that they didn't damage anything. So, you know, they're going to have to figure some stuff out there, um, or it will decline. Now, it's not going to go away by any stretch of the imagination. Node, Node is awesome in a lot yeah. of ways, but this is a they they hit the wall on this one, and they got to figure it out. I really think we're going to see it starting to go out of style, though I think people are going to get into other things. And this is where my prediction is. Like, even even Dahl, the creator, has said that Go is better than Node. Yeah, I can see and, that. And so, it's I'm predicting that it's going to start a downturn. That doesn't mean it's going to go away. That doesn't mean people are going to stop using it. Well, it's kind of natural. Like, Ruby yeah. did this for a while. Like, Rails was just going straight up. And mm -hmm. then there, you know, it got to a point where people were, it hit the wall on what they could do with it for a little bit. And people started going to other stuff. Right. And that's where I, I see notice hitting that this year. Yeah. Um, and so it's we'll a see. plateau, not a cliff. Right. We'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, my second prediction is full marijuana legalization in the U.S. Um, woot woot from a lot of people. Yeah. I don't partake, but 
Um, the fact is, is that it is less damaging than alcohol in terms of societal damage, you know, like people don't OD. <laughs> Nobody overdoses on marijuana. And frankly, if somebody had, it would be Willie Nelson and he's still around. So yeah, very true. Um, so here's the deal, really. Um, you know, there's the freedom angle, but nobody actually listens to that. Here's what's actually going to happen. And here's my prediction. Every single cash strapped government in this country, which is most of them, are going to look at the revenue possibilities. Oh, yeah. Um, Colorado has absolutely made bank mm-hmm. on this. So, you know what's funny? I was, um, my uncle is very set in his ways and really great guy. Super friendly. He would give you the shirt off his back, but he has his opinions. And his opinions are based on... The yeah, 70s. Yeah. Yeah. Incorrect information from the 60s and 70s. That said, he told me the other day, uh, about a month or two ago, he was like, he told me that because Colorado has legalized marijuana, that it is completely run by drug lords now. And I'm like, no, it's not. And he, he told me his sources, like some... like. Kind yeah. of out there, far right news sources. Um, and I, I'm not trying to get political here, but it was just it was just really out there news sources. I'm like, oh well, my sources are people that actually live in Colorado. Like I have friends that I yeah, they still have civilization. It's like um, you know, I think I think that's something that the some of the older generation is going to have a little bit of a hard time coming to grips with. It's like, look, yes, they legalized weed. No you're not going to run out of shotgun shells trying to protect your canned goods from roving gangs of mutants. That's not how this works. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like now your Doritos in your pantry. Yeah. Those are probably gone, <laughs> but yeah. So I, I think this is something um, that is going to be impossible to police anyway, because mm-hmm. some States are already legalizing it and they border other States and they can't control it. You know, we can't, our country can't even control its national borders, much less the internal state borders, which are completely unwatched, right? The the other thing, too, is a lot of states are decriminalizing it. Yeah. And making it, like, really minor crimes. I mean, you know, we're talking, like... It's a dollar fine you can mail in. Yeah, like like parking violation level Of course, if you fines. get the average, you know, really bad stoner, they probably still won't mail it in. <laughs> well, but, there's that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's going to be impossible to police. Like, this is coming and all the business that goes with that, you know. So, like, mm-hmm. dispensary software, software for the ag side of it, software for transportation, mm-hmm. logistics, um, all that stuff is coming. The other thing is, with this comes an easier ability to get things like... CBD oil. Right. Which doesn't have the THC in it, but still helps with a lot of things like anxiety and stuff. Um, and, you know, I just, I, I, I'm really agreeing with you on this. I think it's something that is. Yeah, it's coming. I mean, it's just, it's not something that was sustainable the way it was. And so that's, that's going to happen. Um, the other thing is, is we've got a lot of contentious political stuff going on, if nobody's noticed. And we have a, you know, we got a Democrat House of Representatives and we've got Republicans in the Senate and, you know, the presidency. And so somebody in there is going to go, Hey, here's how we get one over on the other team and become more popular. So there's that angle too, that like at the top level of the government, there's, factions that disagree with each other and one or the other is going to go hey i could do this and it is political brownie points pardon the pun really really smart the majority of the voters are somewhere in the middle um than the far extremes if they're really smart they will make it a cross yeah and the people that jump in on it 
are going to be the ones that benefit. It's not a party benefit so much as an individual benefit of, look, I'm making effort with the other side to bring something that everybody wants anyways. Yeah. And I mean, again, I, you know, I don't partake, but it's just like this, this is coming and there's going to be software opportunities here, Mm -hmm. Um, especially for people that are able to kind of jump in on the startup scene. Like there's, there's openings coming up. So what's your third one? So what you're saying is we should start our own like mer- medical marijuana software business. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying other people will, though. Yeah, that's very true. Very true. So my third prediction is WebAssembly will become the new popular thing as the standards are accepted across all browsers. You know, WebAssembly is a binary instruction format for a stack-based virtual machine. And basically what that means is it allows you to compile languages like C Sharp, C++, Java in the browser and on the server. So my previous prediction was about Node kind of going away, which JavaScript being compiled is compiled in the browser and on the server through Node. WebAssembly is part of the reason I think Node is going to start going away because now we can write C Sharp code that gets compiled on the browser through this. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think at least it'll be a bigger deal. And you're going to start seeing new kinds of applications in the browser because they're not doing it in JavaScript. Right. I mean, you have the transpilers like TypeScript and stuff that you can use. It's, TypeScript is basically like C Sharp Lite. Yeah. Really. I mean, it's it's, it's a... <laughs> well, it's actually in a few spots. It's heavy. Compared yeah, to C sharp. I mean, there's some stuff in there that's like, man, I wish they'd bring that over. Uh, they're, they're, it's getting that way. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, I'm just looking at this and going, like, I know some people that do some really awesome stuff in C. Yeah. We both do that are yeah. like, and it's like, I, I just see that and I'm like, imagine when this gets, when WebAssembly gets accepted across all browsers. And I really think like they're working on the standards now. I think they're going to, at least all the major browsers are going to be using it and it's become going to become a major thing. And like you said, we're going to see some really new creative stuff done with it. Yeah. I think the other thing on that is because they are actually designing the language and the specification from the get go with the expectations we already have. That mm-hmm. it's not going to have the same problems as JavaScript, where it was like, hey, let's glue this on here. Let's glue this on over here. And it's... If you notice, um, it's like the difference between Nashville and New York. So, if you, you look at downtown Nashville, what do you see? You see a lot of one-way streets, and you see a lot of circular main roads. Nashville started off as a fort, Fort Nashboro, and grew into a city, and then grew circularly. Like, it... it that's kind of the natural progression of it. Whereas and you, a lot of that growth happened after cars. Right. Whereas you look at Manhattan, it was a designed city. It was expected to take up that entire island and it was planned. And so what do you see when you look at that city? If the road structure, you don't see circles. Right. You see a grid. And and that's the thing. You know, it's it's easy to navigate that nashville is very difficult to navigate yeah it's almost impossible yeah but new york like i lived there for a little bit not very long but it was very easy to navigate because you knew the order you could predict the order it was going to be in because it was built in a grid type system it was planned out 
Yeah. Whereas in Nashville, you just get on Old Hickory Boulevard and keep driving until you find whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you get off and you drive a few miles and then you get on a different Old Hickory Boulevard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's there there's that. Um, you know, but that that's the thing. And, and so what what I'm seeing is like you said, WebAssembly is going to be planned and it's going to it's gonna be the new thing. I think it's going to take the place of Node as the new hotness. Yeah, I would agree with that. The, another option might be Clojure. Yeah. I've, I've seen s- some stuff where it's like, huh, there's a lot of people really pumping this. It, that's cool, too. I, I'm i leaning more towards WebAssembly, though. Yeah. So, my prediction popular. is, yeah, is WebAssembly because you can take those languages, people like you and I and other developers that are like, that know a, that know a, Server server-side side language really well and a little bit of JavaScript because when they have to do it, they can take their server-side language and use it to make front-end stuff. Oh, you know how much fun I'd have with that? Yeah. And other people are thinking the same thing. That's where I see it going. So my third prediction, and you know, I'm doing these more at a, I guess, at a higher uh, level. I'm not hitting the tech as much as you are. You never um, do. Yeah. Um, is it more extended data privacy laws. And my premise here is that Silicon Valley has basically ticked off both sides of the political spectrum one way or the other. Um, I suspect this year there will be a major privacy breach that will stay in the news for long enough to give lawmakers an excuse. There's been tons of them already, but they get crowded out by other stuff. Um, If you want to predict this, all you need to do is figure out when the representatives and senators start shorting the tech companies and you can guarantee that privacy legislation is coming Mm -hmm. because they, they don't become millionaires on their salary. You know, your home surveillance or uh, home assistance technologies like Amazon Echo and the like will be found to have a major security hole or two. And private slash intimate data will get exposed as a result. Um, People are putting these in their bedrooms. Um, Yeah, don't do that. People are getting a lot dumber frankly, with a lot of this stuff. So it's it's going to happen. It's going to hit an equilibrium. It's not so much that people are getting dumber with it as they're getting more trusting. Yeah, which is dumb. <laughs> yeah. well, it, it's yeah, it's yeah. not intelligent to be that trusting, but yeah. it's becoming a normal part of life. Right, because you know, like there's the cartoon that shows the uh, the woman talking on the phone in like the '60s, you know, the like the rotary phone, and going, "Oh, I better not say this on the phone because you know they may be wiretapping me." And then it shows, you know, some some dude with a nose ring in like you know 2019 going, "Hey, wiretap! Can cats eat pancakes?" <laughs> you know, it's it's like we've kind of had a cultural shift, and there's going to be some downstream consequences because I would think that those devices might not have been built. You know, even though you think your device is going to be ubiquitous and all that, like you don't really know how to handle ubiquity until you're. So Alexa technically only starts listening. I've done some Alexa development when you say the keyword, speaking of which I have really wanted to hack my Alexa to change the keyword. Cause there, there's a couple of presets, but I want to change the keyword to wiretap. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or, or government surveillance or something well, like that. Well, you don't have as thick of an accent as, like, say, my family. Because it'll go off and we say, I'm, I'm going to get, a, you know, I used to have a Lexus. And it'll pick that up and, and start going. And it picks it up, you know, just in conversation and stuff. Oh. So there's a lot of those kind of problems. And on uh, TV commercials where they're advertising the Alexa. Not anymore. No. Have they fixed that? They fixed that a long time ago. They put a slight break like the human ear can't hear it unless you're like just some like savant. audio genius savant kind of thing. Um, the human ear can't hear it 
but there is a slight break in there that breaks the Alexa's listening. So and we're you realize we're irritating everybody right now. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> this conversation oh. I just did, um, but I think. You know, honestly, you're going to see some kind of breach and you're going to see data privacy loss because people want that in a large mm-hmm. respect. And, you know, GDPR is bad and messed up as it is. People do still kind of want something to say, hey, my data is not getting out. Uh, possibly. The thing is, throughout this past year, I have seen a lot of improvements in security. So I think I think you're right that we're going to see more data privacy laws enacted. I don't know if it's going to be because of a big breach or if it's going to be because they're already they're already putting these things in place. Well, they're putting them in place, but they use the breach as an excuse. What I'm saying is I don't know that we're going to see a breach because they're already putting security in place. I think we're going to see more data privacy laws. Like I, I agree with you on the outcome. I'm not sure I agree with you on the reason behind it. I think we're going to see more data privacy laws because we're getting more security. On these. Yeah. Well, I think the other reason you're going to see more data privacy laws is because it allows the big players to keep the little ones out. Yes. That's really what's going to actually do it. Now, that I completely agree with. My fourth and final prediction for 2019 is that we will have real-time universal translator apps on mobile devices. This is already a thing. DARPA has been working on them for a while now. Google is able to recognize the language of a website or entry into their translator. And there's a few limited applications that you can use. And it's, they're not universal yet. They can't, they don't have the ability, as I understand it, to recognize the language, but you can set the language. So like I could go to Spain and set the language to Spain Spanish because, you know, Central American Spanish is different from Spain Spanish, the way that American English is different from England English. Right. Yeah. So what is available now is you can say, hey, I'm in Spain and these apps will translate. They will hear what comes in and they'll process and it. process it and translate it to English if you say that. But what I'm predicting is we will have real time universal translators where you won't have to set what country you're in. You will just let it listen we already have the technology to recognize the language. Um, it may be buggy at first. Honestly, I really expect it to be buggy at first. It, this is the way with new technologies. Like it, it it's going to come out. It's going to be really cool. And it's going to work about 75% of the time. There's going to be some bugs in it. And nobody in Louisiana will be able to use it for a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, like... Cajun, the bayou, you're out of luck for a bit. Cajun French is way... is it, It's way different than... Any other French, no matter where you are. And Appalachian folks probably are not going to have a whole lot of luck with it. Uh, Scotsmen aren't. The Welsh aren't either, but they're they're used to that. (laughs) Um, You know, it's it's interesting. uh, Every time I've tried to use any kind of voice control on anything, I just end up giving up because it's still it has a really hard time with my accent, especially if I've been home. So it's it's going to take some time to get this right, but eventually we're going to be we're going to have the Star Trek Universal Translator without having to stick a fish in our ear. You know, and I think it'll be uh it'll also be very very cool to be able to use that for language learning because yes. you can check your stuff and see that it can understand you just like a native speaker could. So you could probably talk to the machine. See, no, there's another use of this I didn't think of, but yeah, there, there's an app. 
if we were doing this kind of stuff, I would say we should build that app. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. No, I don't either. But, but, but somebody a, out there should build it and then tell us about it. Yeah. That's and a, then I'll put it on my phone. Okay. That's a, that's a great <sighs> thing because like, I know you use. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, you know, I, I've done a little bit of that and it's, it's hard because you, you know, you're trying to learn a language and you don't have the confidence to feel like you can talk to a native speaker of the language mm-hmm. and you don't get that confidence until you've done it. But I, I would think if you could talk to a machine and the machine talk back, then right. you're good. So yeah, I think that's pretty cool. So my next one, speaking of talking on the phone is I think telephone spam is going to get hit by Congress oh, please. very soon. I hope they drop the hammer on them. Oh, I'm yes. fine with them drone striking these people. I am too. Um, Right now, 85 to 90% of the phone calls I get on my personal cell phone are robocalls with spoofed numbers. I get at least four calls a day. Yeah. And nobody else calls me. See, Um, I have family that calls me, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, Because the one person that that had to use the phone to get a hold of me passed away. Yeah. Um, And everybody else texts. So, like, I don't get calls at all, pretty much. And so... Um, I've disabled my phone from ringing entirely. Now, there's good reasons for being able to spoof phone numbers. Sort of, at least in some cases. However, this is the kind of annoyance that politicians can act on for a quick win right now. The trick is the tracking. Yeah. I think. And And the reporting and and getting all that down. They can, because the numbers are spoofed. I think that's where they'll crack down on first. And then the next goal then is to find somebody that's making a, making something that competes with the normal way of doing phone stuff. Yeah. And get them to go to Congress and. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like do the thing that they all do. Right. Yeah. And then yeah. this problem will get solved. But I think they're going to come down on it because it is so distracting for everybody. Oh, yeah. I, today I got two calls in the same training session from and some of them, they're getting worse. Like some of them left messages and I'm like, so I look. And, <laughs> my voicemail doesn't work. Well, I know that's annoying, <laughs> but my my voicemail does. And it um it translates it to text. So I'll look at the text and I'm like, oh, press one to do this. I'm like, like no legitimate company is going to call you and say, press one to whatever. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, no, that's just some of them. I'm like, this doesn't even make sense. I guess from a technology user's perspective, maybe someone who doesn't understand the system very well might get fooled by it. I but- think this kind of fits in with what we were saying um, about the dark patterns. This is dark patterns on the phone. Oh, my, it. Yeah, it really is. Um, it, it, it fits in well with last week's episode. And this may be something we want to do as an episode in the future is, you know, that kind of stuff. But what I'm getting at is as it's really the last generation that has that could be fooled by this would be our grandparents. Yeah. And they're, I mean, no offense, they're starting to die off. Yeah. All of mine are gone now. And yeah, I have one left. And yeah. so I'm, I'm wondering, I'm like, all right, my, both of my parents are smart enough. And not, it's not even an intelligence thing. It's like both of my parents have used technology enough to know. Like I told my mom, I'm like, yo, hey, if you get a call like this, don't do this. She's like, duh. Yeah. And, you know, I remember having conversations with my grandmother where she would hear a radio ad and, you know, like they grew up in a different world. And yeah. the world now is, is people contact me that I cannot trust. And they contact mm-hmm. me with numbers that look like they're next door. Right. Oh, and I don't trust, I don't answer any number that has the same three, first three digits as mine. Yeah. Not area code, but like. Yeah, because I don't cause know anybody do. with those. The one person I knew with those passed away last year. 
Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's that, I guess. So guys, we hit most of our predictions from last year. And this is mainly because we saw the handwriting on the wall in a lot of places. I think I said that last year too. It's, you know, we don't, I wouldn't say we cheat on these, but we try to keep our finger on the pulse of the industry and the world around us. All you really have to do is pay attention. It's out there. We've been keeping up with it. Doing this will help you better predict when to make moves in your career or when to stay in place. Right now, Based on what we've been advising people and what we're seeing, now is a good time to stay stay put. Yeah, like, or get um, somewhere where you're comfortable staying put. Yeah, like either like if you're going to move, move to something more stable. And that's really what our advice to people is find some stability because the rest of the world is not going to be stable for a while. Yeah. That pretty much wraps us up before we close everything out. Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? Well, I just want to point out the value of understanding human nature and understanding that most of the population is kind of corrupt at some level. And I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way. It's people give in to their self-interests in one way or another. So when we start talking about things like you know privacy laws and all that, uh, making the assumption that your elected representatives are going to fix it based off of caring about you is probably not realistic. However, you can predict what they're going to do fairly well by figuring out how they can make money at it and how the pieces are lining up to make that happen or how they can help their cronies or how they can look good politically, something that benefits them. Just in general, you'll get You'll get further helping people get to their own goals rather than appealing to their conscience. And this works at a uh, nation state level. So when you're trying to predict what's going to happen next, use that. That will get you further than just about anything else. And that's pretty much all I've got. Stand by for Titanfall. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Stand By for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Catch us each week as we broadcast live, talking about what's going on in the tech world and answering listener questions. Learn more about all of our shows and groups by going to CompleteDevelopernetwork.com where you'll find links to Junior Developer Toolbox, Developer Launchpad, and our other communities. Thanks for listening. See you next time.